If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-US wines, I find them extremely helpful and helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the DNVR Nuggets podcast presented by Total Beverage, where you can get 30% off your purchase of $25 or more when you use the promo code DNVR2019. You're going to want to do that great selection of beer, wine, and liquor, and they also deliver directly to you. Today's episode is a notebook edition of of the DNVR Nuggets podcast. I'm your host, Adam Matez, and after every game this season, all 82 games, I'm going to be providing you with my notes from the game, a deep dive notes um, where, you know, I like to take a a list of things that I found in the X's and O's or tiny details and kind of just explain what was going on and kind of share what I saw and what I took away from the game. And I've got a lot of stuff to talk about in this one. I thought the fourth game, the final game of the preseason for the Denver Nuggets was one of the more interesting ones one of the more frustrating ones for me personally, and I'm going to talk about that in a little bit, but there was a lot of interesting details. And if you're not already, you've been following me in the Locked On Nuggets podcast and now over here on DNVR Nuggets podcast, if you've been following me, uh, you know that I really like to get into the weeds on some of the what's happening. And my favorite thing, maybe that I've ever done, a new series on DNVR for subscribers only called The List, where a lot of the stuff I'm going to talk about in today's show, you're going to find clips and video examples and maybe even more details about what's going on over on DNVR on The List. I really love this series. I've done two already. Going to have the third one up here just shortly this afternoon on Friday. So whether it's Friday afternoon and evening or over your weekend, you're going to want to check that out. You're going to want to make the list part of your daily routine because if you're not getting that, this is going to be such a great nugget season. If you're not getting that, you're going to be missing out on some of my best work, but also just some of what I think is the most interesting stuff uh, that's going on with the Denver Nuggets. So without further ado, let's let's get right into the notes here. Um, I am concerned officially that Torrey Craig is going to start. You know me. Torrey Craig's a good player. This isn't a, a knock on him, but... I think that this Denver Nuggets team has 12 players who could be in a rotation. Obviously, you're only going to have 9 or 10. I'm guessing that Denver will go a 10 because of how deep they are, especially early on. Later in the year, you might cut that down to 9. But I think early on, you're going to play 10 guys so that everybody gets a good rest. Um, But the one combination I really, really, really don't want to see is Jokic being paired with two... Um, guys that are difficult to space the floor with. And of course, Paul Millsap, you're going to start. He's such a great player alongside Jokic. We have two years of both um, video and and data and everything else to show that these guys are really, really good together. 
Um, but that means, but he's a non-shooter, and we're going to talk about Millsap shooting here in a bit. I do think he's changed a few things this year with his shot that um, can make a, have a meaningful difference. But Torrey Craig is a guy that, whether he's a shooter or not, is just not a floor spacer. He doesn't create that opening, and we have a lot of examples of this. It's kind of funny. I was talking to some people. An 82-game season is so long that you forget little parts of it. There was an entire month last season where Torrey Craig started where every game the Nuggets started down 10 points because that offense got clogged and, and got ugly. Well, guess what? He starts last night, and the Nuggets are down 10 points in the very first three minutes of the game. It, I just think this is a thing that is going to happen, um, and, and I'm, I'm really worried about it. I think Torrey Craig might be the guy. It's him or Barton. One of those two are going to start. And, I, and I'm really worried that it's going to be Torrey Craig, and we might have, a, for me personally, a very frustrating, I don't know, 10 or 15 game sample size where he, if he does start, where the Nuggets just don't look like the team I think they're meant to be in, in the best version of themselves. So last night he gets the start, and by far it's the, the worst option. But I also should say this isn't a very surprising um, option. You know, Michael Malone has certain things. I mean, a fantastic coach, obviously significantly smarter than I am, has a better finger on the pulse of this team and what they need. So... But I'm an analyst, and I have to give my honest opinions, and my honest opinion is that this is Malone's biggest crutch as a coach, is that he likes to go to these quote-unquote defensive-slash-hustle um, options, especially alongside Nikola Jokic, but I think it actually has a negative impact on the team overall, um, especially just with getting him in the flow. If you think about that first quarter, you're really trying to establish who you are and offensively get into the rhythm of who you are, and I just think Torrey Craig takes away so much of that. Um, so you saw the spacing issues right off the bat. The second play, and this is a play that's on the list for sure over on thednvr.com for subscribers. Torrey Craig turns it over on a play that found eight guys overlaid, overloaded onto the right side of the court. This is the type of stuff that happens. The floor spacing can get so congested when you have defenders that just completely ignore a certain portion and uh, of the uh, of the offensive roster. And what happens a lot is that Millsap and Torrey Craig get placed on the weak side of the court, meaning not the ball side, opposite the ball side, and they're sent over there to be floor spacers. Like, okay, let's run a pick and roll with Jokic and Murray, and let's see if um, – and let's put the other guys out there to space the court. Well, this one I think it was a Gary Harris-Jokic pick and roll, side pick and roll. And the defense was so able to just go and ignore those two guys and go to the other side of the court and crowd it that when the ball came was forced to reverse and go back to the other side, I think it kicked out directly to Torrey Craig. Jokic turns the corner, kicks it out to Torrey Craig, who's pretty open but not willing to shoot. And now you get everybody swinging back over to the Torrey Craig-Paul Millsap side of the court, and you ended up in a situation where there was eight players on one side. Torrey Craig made an ill-advised just trying to get the ball out of his hands because he knows he's a low usage, not supposed to be like, that involved in the offense gets it out of his hands and it turns into a turnover all the way over for a wide open layup and these are the type of plays that just happen all of the time um the also irony of this I've talked about this before but Torrey Craig's a really good defender especially against guards but he's playing small forward and in in last night's game the irony of starting this quote-unquote defensive lineup is that Torrey Craig was the guy that was getting scored on a couple times. Now, Anthony Simons had a really tough three-pointer right in his grill, and then he gets switched out onto Rodney Hood, who he's just, we know from last year, maybe the number one reason Denver lost the series against Portland was because nobody can match up with Rodney Hood, and in particular, Torrey Craig. Well, Torrey Craig, or Rodney Hood gets him on an island, gives a nice easy move, and gets an easy open look on him. So the irony was you start Torrey Craig for defensive purposes, he kills your offense, and then he got scored on repeatedly until Michael Malone called a timeout. Nuggets start down 14-5, to and, and this is... 
an exact callback to what happened last year where Denver was always down eight, nine, ten points to start the game, call a timeout, and then Denver finally gets, you know, things going. So something to keep an eye on. And you've listened to me. You can hear the frustration in my voice because it was both predictable and and also frustrating for me who thinks that it's a bad option. Jokic also took three quick threes. Three of them in the first four minutes of this game. And I think that he just plays differently when when Torrey Craig is on the court. It's almost as if he knows that the offense has to come from different ways. You're not going to get into that free-flowing offense. And I thought Jokic's just demeanor and the way he approached this game was really weird. In the first few minutes of the game, you got a Millsap three, a Torrey Craig three, and three Nikola Jokic threes. To me, if you just look at the shot profile, you say, man, you probably don't want that in the first five, six minutes of the game. That's not the perfect nugget situation. Now, sometimes you say, okay, well, you just take the open shot, and if that was it. But Nikola Jokic's threes all came quick in the in the, the shot clock, and I don't know. Jokic is that guy that sometimes it feels like he's sending a message, or maybe he's just thinking, we're not going to get the ball popping in this lineup, so I might as well just try to become a, a like a volume scorer or whatever, and it's just my least favorite version of the Denver Nuggets, and I'm afraid it's going to be the the version that plays the most minutes this year. And honest to God, like if that is the case, I I really think that watching yesterday's game probably lowers my expectations for Denver's win total by just a game or two, but it's one of those things where they might experiment with that lineup for 10-15 games, and it might be a thing that costs them a game or two early out the gate. Let me tell you, though, about Breckenridge Brewery. It's time to take a second and acknowledge the official beer of DNVR. This is my favorite, one of my favorite parts of DNVR. Breckenridge is the Colorado beer established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. You've probably heard of the delicious vanilla porter. It's that time of year to start drinking the vanilla porters. Uh, oatmeal stout, world-famous avalanche ale. That's my favorite. Um, it's an American-style amber ale. They just released the strawberry sky that you're going to love. A little bit more of a summer beer, but if you're holding on, trying to get the last grasp of summer, you can't go wrong with strawberry sky. This one's a really big hit at our watch parties and at our... Uh, our tailgates, um, mostly to drink your sorrows away about the Broncos. Um, but make sure you're looking for our Breckenridge event calendar. They're just such a good partner. I mean, Breckenridge is such a great partner. They really are, uh, you know, are, are a large part of what make us go as, as a site. And so, and on top of that, they're delicious beer. So you're going to want to check that out at thednvr.com, the Breckenridge event calendar. And we got a lot of cool stuff on there. Some nugget stuff. Before long, we're meeting on Monday to start planning our calendar for this season um, of events for the Nuggets. So you're going to want to be checking back on that a lot. And then send us a screen grab. Let us know which beer is your favorite. Try them out. If you've never had one before, we're pumping it on this show because we believe in it. We drink it almost every day at the office. And uh, you're going to want to check that out. So head on over to uh, thednvr.com. Check out the event calendar and check out Breckenridge Brewery and everything they have going on. If you want to find a location of a liquor store that is selling Breckenridge Brewery in your town all across the country. Um, you're going to want to go to check out their their uh, pinned tweet on their profile. They have a Breckenridge uh, beer locator, and that helps you find them. So check them out. Great pot- partner and a big reason why we get to do what we do. I also want to tell you about Drift Car Sharing. Who wants to make some money? Everyone. Everyone wants to make money. Well, here's the easiest way. You can add a few bucks to the wallet. Denver's newest travel hack is here. Drift shares locally owned cars with incoming travelers at Denver Airport for a better experience than car rental. Skip the chaos and save on time 
and fees when you book, or you can share your car to earn and park for free while you travel. Plus, there's no under 25 fee rule, so it's perfect for friends coming to visit. Drift is great if you're going home for break and perfect for extended travel, like a semester abroad. Allstate Insurance covers your car every trip, and Drift cleans it inside and out. That's right. Even if your car isn't rented out while you are gone, Drift will still clean your car upon your arrival. How great is that? Get all of the info in drivedrift.com. That's drivedrift.com. Back here on the DNVR Nuggets podcast, you're going to want to subscribe. $3.74 a month, and you're going to be getting X's and O's deep dives several times a week from me, including the list, things from this show that uh, I want to highlight in video form. So if you don't subscribe, you're going to be missing out on a great Nugget season with great content, some of the best content out there. Harrison Wynn doing a great job. He had some great stories this week, including today. Got another one coming up, I believe, on Monday. So um, you're going to want to check him out. And then, of course, Brendan Vote, kind of doing a little bit of everything over there, um, especially some cool video stuff. So you're going to want to be checking all of the stuff we have out. Jamal Murray has gotten a lot better at the pocket passes to Jokic on the short roll. And this is maybe the most important development of him uh, right now. I, I thought Jamal Murray was fantastic in this game. It's funny. You look at his shot uh, or his uh, box score, four points. Just four points, three rebounds, six assists. The six assists is great. Zero turnovers, obviously phenomenal. He was a plus six, I think a team, almost a team high. And um, only one of four from the field. He played 15 and a half minutes, actually 16 minutes. And, you know, those numbers don't jump off this page, but I don't doubt Jamal Murray, the scorer. I just, I mean, Jamal Murray is a a natural scorer. He's going to get his buckets. Um, But the way he was able to run the offense without turning the ball over and just some of the reads he made, I I thought this was a fantastic game from him and, it's funny. Another thing I want to say about Jamal Murray, he was very good in the locker room after the game, and I think he's been really good all season long. And one of the things I've enjoyed is watching these young players kind of go through the evolution of accepting that they have to talk to the media and sort of embracing it. Like Jokic hates talking to the media. I mean, this is well publicized, but he's a pro. Like when he shows up, he knows he has to do it almost every single game. And, you know, he, he, he handles it in what I think is an appropriate manner where he just, you know, gives his due or whatever. And Jamal Murray is a guy that I think this is the first time and it's only a couple games and it's only preseason, but I feel like he's handled that responsibility without, you know, um, allowing himself to be a distraction or throwing fits or sneaking out early. He kind of joked. He snuck out. It's preseason, so he, like Jokic snuck out early. Michael Porter Jr. snuck out early. Jamal Murray tried to, and then uh, you know PR went and got him. But when he came back, I thought it was like, oh, man, we're going to get grumpy Jamal who doesn't say anything and is you know combative with the media. He was great last night. He was great. And, I, and as a media member who's trying to share the, the experience with fans, I'm, I really, really appreciated that. So it's kind of fun to watch the maturation project. Uh, process of some of these young players but Murray I thought had a great game um Harris Gary Harris has not quite finished at the rim like I expect him to uh and that's been consistent through all four games he's gotten to the rim but he just hasn't finished and um I don't think it's like a cause of concern but it is sort of noteworthy and something I'm going to be keeping my eye on now Gary Harris a fantastic finisher and a power finisher and he's had a lot of those same drives especially those Gary Harris going to his right is like unstoppable. If he turns the corner, is able to go downhill to his right. Traditionally, over the last few years, that has been as automatic as just about anything on the Nuggets do. But this year, he's had a couple of those, including today, a couple, or last night, a couple of those that he just didn't convert, and it was like, huh, I'm surprised he usually converts that one. Beasley gets up for some of these rebounds. He skies, man. Uh, really, really impressed with him. 
Looking at, you know, oh, so I talked about Denver's shot profile, Jokic 3-3's Millsap Craig, that, it's just so bizarre, and uh, meanwhile, Portland scored 32 points on 50% shooting in the first half. I really hope Malone and, and the people around Malone, the coaching staff, really are paying attention to some of these numbers, and look even last year at some of the numbers, because to me, it, the, the defensive impact with that starting group is just not worth the cost that you pay. Quarter two begins with an all-second unit. Harrison Wynn has a great article up on DNVR for subscribers about how last night really felt like a dress rehearsal, and part of that dress rehearsal, Craig starting, Barton off the bench, Michael Porter Jr. and Wancho out, um, but also just the rotation and the way it worked, and I think Malone is going to use this full second unit lineup often. You know, you slowly trickle these guys in over the first quarter, but by the second quarter, you have your entire second unit out there, the platoon, and it's a good lineup. Monte Morris, Malik Beasley, Will Barton, Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumley. those are all high-level bench players, really, really high-level bench players. All of them would probably start for at least some team, so all of those guys are good enough to at least start at, on some teams, and, I, and Jeremy Grant... Uh, and, and Malik Beasley's case start on most teams. Barton probably start on half teams, and Monte Morris, Mason Plumley start on some teams at least, but certainly be the backup on on all teams. So, really good second unit. Um, but Will Barton ran a fast break for a Mason Plumley three, which is the highlight of my life. That was like the greatest thing ever. Mason Plumley shooting threes is hilarious. Terrible basketball strategy. But is there anything more fun? Last year, I think my number one favorite moment was Mason Plumlee's three and little dance celebration against Utah. So it was fun to see that. Will Barton, he was one of, if not the biggest story. Actually, the big story to me was the rotation. The second biggest story was this was far and away my favorite game from Will Barton in like the last year. Really going back to game two of last season, of the regular season, the game that Barton got hurt. Um, this was by far my favorite. I thought Barton was fantastic in this game in a way that gives me hope. Um, he was so, I mean, and, and it's contrasted to the fact that he was so bad in the previous three and so bad in all of last year. So one game does not, you know, change the reputation or, oh, okay, he's back or whatever. But it, it is certainly more encouraging than him having zero examples of this. I thought Barton was fantastic in this game. He took two shots I didn't like. He took two of them. And sometimes maybe you just have to live with the fact that that's who Will Barton is. Sometimes he hits those and you're like, oh, okay, really changed the momentum. But um, you live with the when, – when Barton plays like that, you live with that because of all the good things that he brought. And I just thought he was good in the exact way that he needs to be good for the Nuggets in, in order to, to – um, you know, to be successful, five of 10 from the field, 13 points, eight rebounds, four assists. That's a hell of a stat line for 21 minutes. A hell of a stat line for 21 minutes. Th 23, eight, and four, just one turnover. He did get a steal um, and, and good efficiency, 50% shooting. Th that's a really encouraging sign. Now, some people might point and say, um, well, he was with the second unit, which is where he belongs and where he plays great. Um, he, he looked really good with this unit. So there, maybe there is something to that, but I would just say that it was, it, to me, it wasn't any of that stuff. It was the style of play Barton. There were so many examples and I have maybe more examples of Barton up on the list than any other player in today's episode. But, um, it, there was just so many plays where he made the right decision where you can see the wrong decision in his head and him like sort of restraining himself. And so to me, it has much less to do with starter. If he played like he did today with the starting unit, that starting unit is so dynamic. It's the one that gets me excited. It's the it's the lineup that if you've listened to me for the last year and a half, you I've explained all the reasons why I like Barton with that group, um, the good version of him, and he played like that today, so it got me excited. No Jokic Grant minutes really kills me. It absolutely it kills me as much as Michael Porter Jr. not playing. Those guys have only played together for like 15 minutes total, maybe less than that, in all of the preseason. And 
I asked Jeremy Grant, you know, he's talked about how he's been real comfortable with everybody and this or that. I asked him after the game about how do you feel playing with Jokic, and he said something like, I'm still getting used to it. And I just thought, man, how do we only get 15 minutes when Jeremy Grant is like himself sort of admitting that there's still a chemistry process there? I, to me, that that was such a it, – it's a concern. And I'm concerned that Jokic Grant just aren't going to share the court together. Maybe Malone sees them as guys that don't overlap that much during the regular season. Again, if this was a dress rehearsal, the rotation that we saw today was not – I mean, you just don't get those guys together very much. And um, <laughs> I, I think I got a lot more gray watching yesterday's game than I expected to. Um, Millsap looks the same to me. He hasn't lost a step. That was one of the concerns coming into the year. Is Millsap going to be able to perform the way that he had um, now that he's kind of getting a little bit older? And I think the answer is probably yes. The one difference I see with him, and this is a positive difference, he's a little bit more quick with his trigger to shoot. And I don't mean that he has a quicker release, and I don't mean that he's like gunning for threes now. But mentally, so much of shooting is that mental preparation of like, in your head, you have to be ready to shoot the ball in tight space before you even get it. You just have to mentally tell yourself this one's going up. And with Millsap, he's not a great three-point shooter. He's good, but not great. And he hasn't been high volume. But I think as his career extends now, at the thir age 33, 34, 35, gets, as he starts getting older, he's and especially on this team in particular, especially if you're going to be playing Torrey Craig, you need him to be... Um, to stretch the floor, and I thought that throughout the preseason, he's been a more willing shooter and just mentally been prepared to shoot the ball quicker, and he had one today that was really encouraging, a catch and shoot three sliding to his right on the right wing in transition that was just one of those shots where it's like, man, if he knocks that down consistently, Denver's going to be really, really good, especially with him on the court, so uh, I, I thought that was really nice. Also nice, Strava Craft Coffee. Denver listeners, we're excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee. StravaCraft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible, so check them out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural, not psychoactive. You don't get a high off of this. It, 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 it helps affect those areas we talked about, back pain, arthritis, but it's not like it doesn't get you high. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. As Strava says, drink deeply, live fully. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use promo code DNVR20 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. It's the best thing. Uh, it's, it's the best thing. It makes it really easy on you. You're going to want to check it out. Strava Craft Coffee. For the second half of the game no Michael Porter G or no Michael Porter Jr. in the first half and in the second half no starters which means we do not get any more Michael Porter Jr. minutes with with Nikola Jokic which is a drag for a couple reasons one because I think he probably should play if it were me I would play start Barton and play Michael Porter Jr. about 15 minutes and I would play a lot of those 15 minutes with the first unit, with Nikola Jokic. So you start Barton, but Barton plays a lot with the second unit. And you bring up Michael Porter Jr. along to play with Jokic for two reasons. One, because I think he's really good. Malone had a quote before the game that you know I was kind of surprised by. He said, if you look at the four guys vying for the small forward spot, statistically there's not a lot of difference from them in the preseason. I thought, what? Of course there's a difference to him. Michael Porter Jr. scoring as much, if not more, than all of them on great volume and efficiency. So... Um, I was really blown away by that, but again, uh, this isn't like Michael Malone knows his stuff. I was just surprised to see that, and I really am curious to see how this plays out. But the number one reason I would have, you know, I, I'm all for making him earn it. 
um, and bringing them along slow. It's 82 games. You know, where the Nuggets are at in April is different, is more important than where they're at in October. So there is some method to this. There's probably some reasoning behind it that uh, Michael Malone and people will say, well, why don't you ask him about it? It's been asked. It's been asked. He's he's danced around it, and I, I suspect that he will continue to dance around it and maybe give us more of a hard line why Michael Porter Jr. is not in the rotation, if that is the case as the season moves along. Um, but one reason why I would have him playing and have him playing next to Jokic, I was so impressed with Michael Porter Jr., the off-ball cutter and spacer. We did not see that in this game, in large part because he played with lineups, the third-string lineups that just aren't capable of that. P.J. Dozier balled out in the, in the preseason, especially in this game. I thought this was by far his best game. Michael Malone very impressed with him. But P.J. Dozier, much more of a ball-in-your-hand point guard. Everything goes through him. So he was either scoring or pa- assisting on every play. And as a result, there's not a lot of opportunity for you to be getting all those cuts and the ball popping. And that's where, I, in my opinion, Michael Porter Jr. was so impressive. So I would love him playing with Jokic in large part because I think it builds the habits that you want him to have. It rewards him for all of that cutting. This is a big reason why Jamal Murray's game has not been a ball-dominant point guard. Gary Harris has become such an effective player. Malik Beasley, all these guys, the more you play with Jokic and the more you reward them for that, the more you create and mold them into the player that you want, This that's get the ball moving, score off of off-ball movement and cuts and things. And Michael Porter Jr., unfortunately, this game is almost a throwaway game in my mind for evaluating him because he was playing with the third stringers. He was playing with Vlaco Chanchar, Jared Vanderbilt, and P.J. Dozier. And you just it, that is not a great representation of, of, of I think, what the Nuggets are going to look like. And um, so it was a bit frustrating. But also, I mean, I think it just means that Malone has sort of made up his mind and MPJ is on the outside looking in, um, which certainly makes the first portion of this season like five times less exciting and less interesting, which is a real, real drag. Um, but starters all out the second half. Um, Bar- Barton was solid defensively uh, in this one, too. This There's some highlights on the list of him. Barton, not always a dialed-in defender, but he has the physical tools to be long for a two-guard, not long for a three, which is where he's been playing a little bit. But but he does make some plays with his length that I have on the list that are really, really um, uh, encouraging. Because, again... Barton is a guy that at his best when he's playing the way that I like, this is what I was talking about yesterday or last show about how he needs to evolve his game for this section um, of his career. He did that today, both offensively and defensively in a way that was very, very encouraging. The, the second unit plays a lot more traditional than the first unit. The first unit does a good job of keeping that flow offense. And when I say flow offense, the first unit and second unit runs all the same plays. And, and this is true of NBA basketball. It's kind of a cool note about NBA basketball. So you run a play, and I'm going to have a new episode of what makes this play great out on Friday afternoon. You're going to want to check it out. It's one of my favorite series I'm doing as well. So much great stuff. All my great stuff is coming out this year um, for subscribers on DNVR. Really excited about it. Really, really excited about where we're at as a company. Um, but we got uh, – so you run this play called Strong. Simple, simple uh, play that's not like a whole lot. You don't look at it and you go, man, this is intricate. Look at all these things. It's a simple play. But the point of the play isn't like complex. Let's get it. It's not football where it's, okay, we run a play and we're looking for this option or this option and then the play's over. It's often like we're looking for options one, two, and three, and we wind up in a position where if none of those plays work, we've created a micro advantage to get into a flow offense. You didn't, you know, all of basketball is like trying to create as many micro advantages as you can. And if you gain a half step on that initial action, then you gain another half step on, you know, just a free flow, you know, a few seconds after that initial action. Well, now you've created a full step of advantage and you just got to execute and finish the play. Well, the first unit does a great job of 
going from that first action into a free-flowing offense where it almost looks like they're running play after play after play. The second unit is more traditional in that you run that first action, and if it doesn't work, you're in a position to run like a, a straight pick and roll or a straight ISO. So maybe the first you run that first action and you get a switch and now you have, you know, a two matched up against a four and it's like, okay, we have a small advantage. Now let's run an ISO for that because we can exploit that. Or we've created them and forced them to make one switch. Now let's run spread pick and roll. And, and that's our, how we finish the play. So that's what most teams do. Denver, Golden State, some of your more high passing teams, they're able to go from one, two, three, four, five different, like, um, flows just keeps the ball moving and everything and, and to me that's my favorite type of offense um, but the second unit doesn't necessarily have the guys to be able to do that and keep it flowing so they play a little bit more traditional um, and, and that's a really and I think that creates some interesting um, questions about who should be on the starting lineup who should be on the second again Tory Craig not capable of running a flow offense so you throw him in that first one it's harder to get flowing um, and in that second unit, you don't necessarily need guys, five guys that can all handle the ball and run pick and roll or whatever. So kind of interesting little di dichotomy there. Um, Beasley had his moments defensively in this one too, which is really encouraging because especially as a help side defender, there was a few times he actually pointed out to uh, Jeremy Grant where he was supposed to be, which is kind of funny to see. I have two clips, one of each of them executing a help side rotation. Um, the one I'm talking about specifically, if you're guarding the corner, as Malik Beasley was on this play, in the left side, and on the right side there is a pick and roll that has the big rolling and you have to become the help side and helping there. You have to rotate. You almost have to anticipate it early. You have to pre-rotate rotate because it's easier. If you think about this, if you have to run to your right to stop the roll and then the kickout goes to the corner and you have to go to your left, your body has to go in two different directions. You have to sprint right, then you have to sprint left. That's hard to do. If you anticipate this early and you are in position already for that roll, you only have to go one direction. You're already in position to stop the play, and then you can sprint one line direct left if you have to release. And I just think that's the that's the easier way to go. Beasley had a great example of this, and it's up on the list on DNVR. Um, and then Jeremy Grant had a bad example of it, which was really, really interesting as well. J Jeremy Grant really good at this, so I think it was just, just one example of, uh, of something not so great. Um, so I mentioned MPJ. He looked more like the player I think his reputation told us he was, and I think that was more of a result of the style of play again. Um, that Especially in the fourth quarter, that P.J. Dozier-led offense – he looked phenomenal, but he was almost playing a, a James Harden-style basketball. Not quite that, but the ball was just in his hands all the time, and guys like MPJ were more of just spot-up standstill guys. So when he did, it, it felt like it went forever before MPJ even touched the ball. And then when he did, it was in situations where everybody was sort of expecting him to go one-on-one. -on -one. So not my favorite MPJ, not my favorite use of him, and not I, I, I think... I probably throw out this game of MPJ more than anything else, even though there were some some positives as well in there. Vlatko Chanchar had his moments in this one. He knocked down a three. He made a couple nice plays, but he also looked really, really slow on some closeouts, which he's so much bigger. I, you think of him and Wancho as like the same size. He's so much bigger, like stockier than, than Wancho. And there was one play in particular where he closed out a guy and got beat by like two steps. I mean, he really looked slow. Um, but P.J. Dozier, I'm, I'm saying all this as a negative, but he was really, really good. I would not be surprised if he got a, a roster spot. There's one open roster spot. You know, Maybe that was earmarked just for Bull Bull later on in the season. Maybe that was for Andre Iguodala or some type of trade. I think I, I think P.J. Dozier is going to get a, a roster spot from Denver. I don't know if he'd sign a two-way. He's already been in the league. He's already kind of been around. 
So maybe he'll take up the other two-way spot. But I think Malone was raving about him and very happy with him. And I think there's this player in, in there with him, even if I don't like the style of play that Denver has sort of used him as. And and especially, I always talk about this at Summer League, how there's guys that show out in Summer League that I'm like, I'm not into him. And P.J. Dozier would be one of those guys. And the reason is, when you have a guy like that, they are set up to look good against third units. Because it's so much one-on-one, the ball's in their hand. Like, they're the only one that gets to look good. The other four guys on the court are almost always going to look bad. And if you look at it, Vanderbilt didn't look good today. Chanchar didn't look good today. Michael Porter Jr. didn't look good today. Tyler Zeller just isn't good, so he didn't look good today. Those were the guys that were sharing the court with P.J. Dozier, who meanwhile looks great. So, to me, these things do go hand-in-hand, at least a little bit. But that's not to say Dozier wasn't a good player tonight. He'd made a bunch of really, really, really high-level plays. A lot of scoring plays, but even some defensive ones. Um, that I was really impressed with. So, And then lastly, MPJ, as much as he, I didn't like how he was used, defensively, he looked almost like he was moping today. And maybe that's he plays a little bit smooth, the Wilson Chandler smooth, where it sometimes doesn't look like he's playing hard. Um, but today, I don't know if he was just bummed because he, he realizes he's not going to be in the rotation or what, but his defensive focus and effort was not there the way I anticipate or the way it was in the previous game, not even close is game three of the preseason was by far his best defensive effort. I think game four was his worst defensive effort and, uh, he just kind of floated in this game and it was kind of a bummer. That's it, guys. Next week, everything kicks off for real. It's going to be exciting. We have some cool stuff coming up to help preview the season uh, over on thedmvr.com, so you're going to want to subscribe. It's go time. It is go time. We're going to have a lot of great coverage over there. Uh, Harrison Wind and Brendan Vote are going to be taking you, uh, taking over the show on Monday and Tuesday with some great stuff. And then Wednesday, the Nuggets kick it off. I'll be back over here on DNVR Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So you're going to want to check it out. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time. As you guys may or may not know, taking care of your teeth is pretty important. Our friends at Green Mountain Dental Group are giving away a free Sonic Care toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. That's right. You simply have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental Group to hand over a free Sonic Care toothbrush. Check them out today online or call 303-988-0711 to schedule our appointment today.